0: Hi, and welcome to the Healthy Moms Podcast with Katie from wellnessmama.com. In this episode, Katie and thyroid expert Dr. Isabella Wentz discuss in-depth some advanced thyroid topics, including specific help for losing or gaining weight with thyroid problems, supplements that can help and those that can hurt, and lifestyle factors that can actually help put thyroid disease into remission. Isabella has offered her comprehensive overcoming thyroid fatigue guide to help you discover your own root causes. To get the bonus material from this episode, join our community at wellnessmama.com forward slash podcast. Now, let's join Katie and Dr. Wentz in this deep dive about thyroid disease. So as the last leg of this interview, I want to touch on
1: uh, specifically some advanced questions that readers have asked and that I've noticed kind of reoccur on my website that I'm not qualified to answer. And I love that I think you'll be able to. Um, So Rebecca said, is it possible to lose weight with Hashimoto's or other thyroid problems? And if so, are there special considerations?
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's a really great question, Rebecca. And there's a lot of different things you can do. Um, To try to lose weight. First and foremost, I am not a fan of restrictive low calorie diets, um, especially, you know, for anybody, but especially for people with Hashimoto's. So one of the things that happens is when you're put on a low calorie diet is you're going to be putting your body into basically adrenal dysfunction, where your body's going to say, oh, no, I'm starving, let's control everything, let's slow down our metabolism, let's prevent us from gaining weight, from from losing any weight and expanding any calories. So one of the first things you can do is actually eat a really nutrient-dense diet um, and eat enough calories to support your body. So um, eat until, you know, don't go hungry, don't skip meals, making sure that you eat a really good Um, balanced glycemic breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day is going to be very, very helpful for most people. And, you know, don't do the binge dieting and actually, you know, over exercising can also put a person in adrenal dysfunction, which basically can shut down the thyroid gland. So those are two things, you know, you might have been told to do where I'm telling you don't do them because they could make things potentially worse. Obviously, you know, doing sensible eating and weight bearing exercise is going to be helpful for everybody, but putting yourself on a very low calorie diet and, and you know, starvation mode is, is only going to make things worse. The other thing is looking at your thyroid medication. So looking at whether or not you are converting your T4 to T3 properly. So looking at getting your thyroid labs and making sure that those are all in order. So making sure that the T4 and T3 is kind of in the the mid to the upper part of the reference range and that your TSH is somewhere between 0.5 and 2 or wherever you feel best with it. And if that isn't doing the trick for you, then talking to your doctor about maybe a dose increase or switching to a medication that contains T4 and T3, which is the combination thyroid medication that provides us with some of that T3 pre-converted so we can start losing the weight because T3 is the more metabolically active um, thyroid hormone. Looking at getting probiotics or fermented foods on board. So what's interesting is, you know, a lot of people with Hashimoto's will actually have dysbiosis or an imbalance of gut flora. And when um, there are certain types of gut flora that are associated more with, with gaining weight, what they do is they, they take out more calories from whatever food we eat. So you can have a friend that's eating the same exact food that you're eating and having everything else, same metabolism, same everything. But if you have different bacteria than your friend has, then you're going to be um, you know, potentially at risk for gaining weight and, up, and she will stay the same weight. And so there was a history of somebody who became um, obese through a fecal transplant, unfortunately. And so making sure that you're getting good probiotics on board and eating fermented foods is going to help. Um, you know, I have seen... People who about 25% of people who start taking digestive enzymes will say that they actually start losing weight as well. So when we are not digesting our food properly, then we're not extracting our nutrients properly, and that make us may make us constantly hungry. So making sure that you have enough nutrients on board through the use of um, really great nutrient dense diet, through fermented foods, through um, you know getting making sure you're digesting everything correctly, and through um, you know, through making sure that you're taking supplements if if necessary. So doing sometimes um, a multivitamin supplement can be very, very helpful. And I recommend one that's going to be free of iron um, and copper.
1: That's really good to know. So on the flip side of that, Sonia asked, what about
2: people who are having trouble gaining weight who have hyperthyroidism? hmm. Yeah, and so um, and it's not just people with hyperthyroidism that have trouble gaining weight. Some people with Hashimoto's also experience that. And of course, they're a minority, and we always focus on losing weight because that's one of the bigger things. But with hyperthyroid, you're going to be potentially, um, you know, you, your basal metabolic rate is going to go up, so you're going to be losing weight and calories faster than you can eat them. So obviously making sure that you're eating enough is going to be the first step. So making sure that you're getting enough calories to support your body and maybe even increasing that caloric intake for the short term can be helpful for you to try to maintain your weight. Um, Looking at um, whether or not your TSH is balanced. So talking to your doctor about potentially increasing medications for, um, you know, for, for balancing hyperthyroidism, or I know some people work with, um, you know, endocrinology specialists in natural medicine that may use herbs. And so trying to get that balanced and then looking at gut infections. So a lot of times gut infections, especially H. pylori can trigger Graves disease as well as Hashimoto's, and they can lead us, lead to weight loss. That's great advice.
1: Thank you. So, another question that I get recurringly is Is it ever possible to really recover thyroid function back to like a normal functioning thyroid um, if you've been diagnosed with thyroid disease and to wean off of medication and to eventually just recover full thyroid function?
2: You know, it's definitely possible. I've seen it happen um, quite a few times. There was one study that looked at um, basically recovery of thyroid function in people who had been on long term thyroid medications. And they found you know it was pretty striking, it was about 20% of people with Hashimoto's were able to recover their thyroid function over a course of a, a you know decade or so of being on thyroid medications. The interesting thing is though, once you take thyroid medication, it can be built into your physiology. So you in some cases you may not know that you can get off of it. In other cases, you will become hyperthyroid, so you'll have symptoms of irritability you know, those palpitations, symptoms of hyperthyroidism, and then you'll go to your doctor and you'll be tested hyperthyroid. Um, Definitely the beginning stage is to get you to feel best. The next stage is to get your thyroid antibodies reduced. Once they're in the remission range under 35, um, you know, looking at making sure that you have enough iron on board, making sure that you have enough zinc on board, um, and that is going to be helpful for, for helping your body heal and regenerate.
1: Yeah, that's really hopeful. And um, like I mentioned, I'm still on thyroid medication, but um, we're seeing the nodules on my thyroid go down. So I'm hopeful that that's going to be a progression for me. But I also realize, like you said, that can be a very long process because you're trying to really rebuild your body. And that's not something that happens overnight. Um, But speaking of building a body... Another question that I get a whole lot with, especially my specific readers, is what about pregnancy and thyroid disease? Are there any special considerations? And that's something I'm learning firsthand right now because this is my first pregnancy where I've known I've had thyroid disease. So I'm learning some of those special things as I go. But can you talk about that and specific things that maybe someone would want to watch out for while pregnant?
2: You know, absolutely. And so just um, so you ladies know, pregnancy actually increases your need for thyroid hormone. So you want to make sure you have your thyroid tests done before you conceive. And then somewhere, you know, you want to be under 2.5 with your TSH for optimal um, conception purposes. So some reproductive endocrinologists or fertility specialists will actually, you know, if a woman has any kind of hint of... A thyroid disease. They'll put them on thyroid medications to help prevent, you know, any kind of miscarriages and to help them conceive. So, thyroid can definitely be an unbalanced thyroid can actually be a root cause of fertility issues. Um, making sure that right after you get, as soon as you get pregnant, as soon as you confirm your pregnancy, and if you've been on any thyroid medication, go see your doctor right away and get your thyroid functions done. You're likely going to need a. Um, dosage increase in medications, because that's going to be something, like we said, it's going to increase your body's need for, for thyroid hormone. Um, making sure that you're going to be sufficient in iron is going to be helpful because a lot of times, you know, pregnancy can increase our demands on iron production and making sure that we, um, iron is necessary for proper thyroid hormone, um, function. So you do that. Um, selenium can be very, very helpful, for taking during pregnancy, that's going to be something that can reduce the risk of postpartum thyroiditis and help to prevent the progression of you know your thyroid condition in pregnancy. Some women will say that they actually feel better during pregnancy with their thyroid condition and you might see a remission of it. Um, some women may see an exacerbation of it. So um, one other thing that I would caution women is you know, any kind of women with autoimmunity may be at higher risk for postpartum depression. So just make sure that you let your partner know that, hey, you know, we have, because of my history of thyroid disease, like, please watch out for me for these things and just kind of be mindful of it. Because chances are, if you're in postpartum depression, you're not really going to know it. It's going to be the people around you that help you uncover it.
1: Yeah, that's a really important point for sure. Um, So kind of on that same hormonal uh, vein as far as pregnancy, obviously affecting hormones. Um, Colby asked, "What about things that affect hormones? If you already have a diagnose, diagnosed thyroid disease, for instance, maca or hormonal contraceptives, are those safe if you have thyroid disease, or can they make things worse or better?"
2: You know, with um, unfortunately, with uh, oral contraceptives, they do seem to have an impact with um, with Hashimoto's and autoimmunity. I don't have any studies to back it up. But what they can do is they can induce estrogen dominance when we have excess estrogen to progesterone ratio. And that has been implicated in triggering thyroid disease. So oral contraceptives can unfortunately do that for us. I, I know Katie, you've got a fertility monitor that you work with. Um, and I, you know, I, I use one as well. It's called the the LadyCom Fertility Monitor. And that's if you're just using birth control for those purposes, there's a lot of really great natural alternatives that can be very, very helpful. Um, maca can be something that is going to be helpful. It, it's it's considered an adaptogen. And generally, that's going to be supporting your hormones and adrenals. So um, adrenal adaptogens are often going to be very, very helpful for people with Hashimoto's. Uh, maca, ashwagandha are some of my favorite ones. And what they do is they kind of help to stabilize the production of our adrenal hormones, whether they're overactive or underactive. And um, that can have very positive effects on how people with Hashimoto's feel as well as on their overall hormone production. So one thing that I don't think a lot of people are aware of is that sometimes adrenal dysfunction can be at the root cause of some hormonal issues, including infertility. So getting your adrenals balanced can help in a lot of cases with you know PMS, mood swings, um, it's just breakouts uh, around the cycle and, and in some cases, even with infertility. So sometimes those adaptogens can, can be helpful with it.
1: Yeah. I saw that in my own life actually. Um, and for me, sleep was the, the key. If I didn't get enough sleep, that alone would mess up my hormones. And it probably went back to that adrenal thing and the cortisol that we talked about earlier. Um, but I want to echo what you said about the fertility monitors. So I've actually tried several of them over the years. And the one I was using um, before I got pregnant, I tell people this one was planned. It wasn't an accident. Um, It's called the AvaQ and I like it because it looks at electrolyte levels um, in two different ways. And also you can input temperature like the lady comp tracks and um, symptoms. So anybody who's familiar with any kind of uh, natural way of tracking fertility like that, you can input all of those things. And it was a really scientific output for me. And it was very black and white. So that helped with my type A personality and it was really effective for us. So that's one thing I've recommended to a lot of friends.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely always recommend, you know, a few of my friends have gotten fertility monitors for Christmas birthdays.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So um, Kat asked, What about people who have trouble falling or staying asleep, especially people who maybe uh, are on third shift or have sleep pattern issues due to a job? Are there any special considerations that can help improve sleep for those who already have a thyroid problem?
2: You know, definitely um, working third shift can be very, very tough on the body overall. And, um, you know, I I would recommend if you can possibly to see if you can come on first shift because... Third shift workers, you know, they've had increased rates of adrenal dysfunction, autoimmunity, cancers, and things like that. Um, and part of the reasons why these things happen is basically um, due to melatonin. So melatonin is something that's produced when it's dark outside. And it's produced in our pineal gland and kind of gets released in the body and helps us fall asleep. That also sim- seems to have an immune balancing effect. So, um, you know, if possible... If you could go into a really, really dark room with blackout curtains on your off shift, and maybe take some melatonin. That might be helpful um, if you're a third shift person. If you're a person who just has insomnia or difficulty sleeping with Hashimoto's, I would look at doing a magnesium supplement at bedtime. That can sometimes help or looking at getting your adrenals tested because some people can have um, you know, low levels of cortisol are going to be associated with low energy throughout the day. And then high levels of cortisol can be associated with you know, having too much um, often anxious energy throughout the day. So some people might have high cortisol at bedtime, and this can actually prevent them from falling asleep. And then there's different interventions you could do to both raise cortisol and reduce cortisol. So you, you would want to get an adrenal saliva test um, and, and fig- figure out if that's an issue for you or not.
1: Yeah, definitely. And like I said, sleep was my nemesis. And I found out like if I just make sleep a priority, it actually fixes so much. So probably sleep is a trigger for me. Um, another question that I get a lot that I have no firsthand experience with, thankfully, is what about, are there any differences for people who have their thyroids removed? Um, obviously, those people would need to be on medication, but are there any differences as far as what will help lifestyle-wise and diet-wise or things that they can do?
2: You know, that's a very, very common question I get as well. And, um, you know, obviously, first and foremost, if you have had a thyroidectomy or, you you know, your thyroid removed or radioactive iodine, you do want to make sure that you're going to be on proper thyroid hormone support. So um, oftentimes that's going to mean the T4, T3 medications like Armour, Nature Throid, or WP thyroid, or compounded T4, T3 meds for you to feel your best. And that's something that you're going to have to take exogenously, probably lifelong because... Um, you know, unless, you know, there are some instances of thyroid tissue regenerating if it's not all surgically removed or whatnot, but generally you're going to need to be on that lifelong. Um, As far as the lifestyle interventions go, you know, a lot of times the reasons why people may get a thyroidectomy or RAI are going to be due to the immune system imbalance. So a lot of the same things that we recommend for Hashimoto's are going to be recommended for people with um, you know, post thyroidectomy. Um, one thing to be really, really mindful of is I know some doctors may recommend thyroidectomy as treatment for an autoimmune thyroid condition, but if you, ha- you know, removing the thyroid basically removes the target of the immune system, but it doesn't change the immune system. So the immune system may still be overactive and it may actually find another target. So Fortunately, I've seen people who have had thyroidectomies who go on to develop additional autoimmune conditions like rheumatoid arthritis when they don't work on balancing their immune system. So, you know, going gluten free, figuring out your food sensitivities, addressing your nutrient depletions, figuring out um, your stress response, you know, and of course, sleep deprivation is the fastest way to get into a stress response, making sure you have enough sleep, Um, testing for any types of infections that can be. Um, potentially setting off your immune system and looking for toxins. Those are all things I would definitely recommend doing for anybody who has had a thyroidectomy, just to to get the ease of mind that your immune system, you know, get all those ducks in a row so your immune system can be rebalanced.
1: That's so important. And probably something that's important for even people who maybe don't have thyroid disease, but like we've talked about all the triggers of modern society, um, it would seem like trying to balance the immune system or at least remove some of those triggers that can be more universal would make sense for all of us, not just those of us who've already had something as drastic as a thyroid removal. Um, And I've seen that too, and even in friends, and it's quite sad, like they'll have their thyroid removed or, or another problem fixed they think whether it be autoimmune um, digestive issues or whatever it is, and they have a part of their body removed, and then it's like the autoimmune disease just shifts, and then they end up with a whole new problem that they have to address.
2: Mm-hmm. It's it's really really sad, and I um, you know I just hope we can get the word out to make sure you know if you've had a thyroidectomy or if you're having any of this, just make sure that you do all these other things that we recommend from a lifestyle perspective, and you can really prevent or, you know, slow down the progression of, of another type of condition.
1: Yeah. Again, it's like, it's it's good to know that there are still steps you can take that do make a difference, even if you've already um, had to have part of your body removed for that. Um, another struggle that I think so many women have and that you and I both mentioned having is the hair loss that can come with thyroid disease. Mm-hmm. So obviously everything we've talked about for balancing um, your immune system and getting rid of the triggers and working on your gut. Those are ob- obviously all helpful, but are there specific things that can help reverse the hair loss itself?
2: You know, hair loss can be such a difficult thing for a woman to go through. You know, I I'm a Leo in particular. So like my hair's always been my lion's mane and it's it represents our femininity. And just, um, you know, it's, it seems kind of superficial for women to worry so much about their hair, but it's really not because hair is the first indicator of your health. And what's happening in thyroid disease is basically, um, the body saying, Hey, we need to save our metabolism. We need to save our nutrients because there's something happening here with this thyroid not working. Um, do we really need to have beautiful hair? Beautiful hair is probably not a priority right now. So let's shunt all of our, you know, nutrients and all of our, um, growing into other parts of our body. So, um, definitely being thyroid hormone deficient is going to put us at risk for losing hair. I probably lost about a third of my hair when I was going through Hashimoto's. And, you know, it was very, very difficult. It was a constant reminder every time I took a shower or brushed my hair that, um, you know, that I was sick. But um, getting on a proper dosage of T4 and definitely T3 can help with the hair loss. So T3 is actually more so implicated in growing hair than T4. So keep that in mind if you're not on an Armour, Nature Throid, or WP thyroid or a T3 containing medication and you're losing hair, then perhaps, you know, consider getting on that kind of medication because it can make a huge difference. Um, looking at other types of root causes of hair loss, um, biotin deficiency. So taking a biotin supplement, 5,000 micrograms per day can be helpful. Um, making sure that you are not iron deficient. So, um, dosages optimal for, you know, you want to test your ferritin levels. Ferritin is the, I iron storage protein, that's going to be the most sensitive. And the optimal numbers for that seem to be somewhere between 70 and 90 for, for you know hair regrowth and having nice shiny hair. Um, the other thing is getting enough essential fatty acids into your hair. So um, you, know, you can do that through making sure that you're eating plenty of good fats. So omega-3 supplements, um, evening primrose oil. And another trick I like is actually putting a um, olive oil, honey mixture on the hair. So that kind of penetrates the hair with a lot of, um, you know, a lot of those good fats right away because, um, fats actually help us with making our hair grow more and more shiny and prettier. I used to, um, volunteer at a lab where they were doing studies on rats with high fat diet and low fat diet. When I was in college, all I remember is that the high fat rats had beautiful, long, shiny hair. So um, from those, from those times, but basically, you know, making sure that you have enough fatty acids on board, whether through um, definitely through a supplement and through a hair mask and through diet is going to be helpful for preventing some of that loss and starting some of that regrowth and getting back some of that shine.
1: Awesome advice. And Mary Beth asked, is there anything that can help with thyroid enlargement? And I know that you mentioned already that can be related to Hashimoto's and it can be a sign of Hashimoto's, but are there things that can actually help reverse it? Um, Or are
2: there other things that can cause it as well? Yeah. You know, so thyroid enlargement, so sometimes it can be caused by Hashimoto's and there's two types of Hashimoto's. Um, One type basically enlarges your thyroid and the other type shrinks your thyroid. So um, that's something that can happen. Uh, taking thyroid medications can be one of the most helpful things you can do for reducing thyroid size. And also, you know, looking at toxins, looking at getting enough nutrients on board is also going to be helpful. And for some people, the enlarged thyroid can be due to iodine deficiency. So always being checked for iodine deficiency, if you do have the enlarged thyroid can be helpful. Great to know.
1: Perfect. So I feel like you've given us a wealth of information in this series on thyroid. What would be... um maybe just give us a few baby steps. And I'll definitely link to both your blog and your book because it's full of really good specific advice that maybe would help someone pinpoint a problem. Um, But for someone who maybe still is in that stage that we both were of trying to find answers, can you give a couple good baby steps to get started? So I know we talked about so much and it might be overwhelming.
2: Uh, Where's (laughs) a good place to start? So, um, usually I start with proper diagnosis, so making sure that you know what you're dealing with. So, getting sure, getting TSH, thyroid peroxidase antibodies, thyroglobulin antibodies, as well as a thyroid ultrasound test done. That's a great place to start. Looking at medication management, so getting appropriate medications for you. You might need different medications than your neighbor or, you know, your cousin. So um, in some cases, doing a T4, T3-containing medication like Nature Throid or WP Thyroid may be um, the better bet for, for people who continue to not do well on Synthroid. Um, looking at your diet. So getting rid of foods that you're sensitive to, gluten, dairy, and soy are the biggies. Um, sometimes we just see a reversal of Hashimoto's with those Addressing nutrient depletions, selenium, vitamin D, and iron, as well as B12 are going to be some of the bigger ones. Um, Then looking at adrenal dysfunction. So anything you can do to reduce the amount of stress in your body is going to be super, super helpful. Um, Looking at your gut function. So trying to figure out, working with your doctor to see if you have any um, gut infections can be helpful. Balancing your blood sugar. So making sure that you're eating plenty of good fats. And plenty of proteins with every meal, and then you know reducing the toxic exposure in your in your body and in your home. So considering you know drinking fluoride uh, fluoride free water uh, or getting a fluoride filter for your home. Fluoride can suppress thyroid function and can contribute to the damage of your thyroid gland. Um, looking at getting all organic skincare and hair care products because. We can be basically a lot of our skincare products have hormone disrupting chemicals in them that can um, potentially exacerbate um, autoimmunity or any hormonal imbalances. Those are things you can do at home. And I'm sure, you know, many of your readers are already doing that and you provide so many great resources for them to do so.
1: Awesome. Isabella, you are such a wealth of information. I have personally loved this conversation and getting to chat with you and I know it's going to be helpful to so many people as well. Um, and I will make sure to also send them to your website and your book for for more information
2: than we can cover in, in just a couple of podcast episodes. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Katie. I had so much fun chatting with you and um, hopefully your readers will find this
0: and listeners will find this information helpful. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the healthy moms podcast to get the bonus from the episode, as well as a content library of free health resources, join the community at wellnessmama.com forward slash podcast.